Hey, security peeps, we are back again with another episode of Breaking Into Cybersecurity, and I have my co-host here, who is fabulous and wonderful. Say hi to everyone, Chris Holon. Hey, everyone. And we have another celebrity guest. As I said before, my celebrity, our celebrity guests are getting bigger and bigger. Uh, Jeff Mann, who is the host of Security and Compliance Weekly, the co-host of Paul Security Weekly, and a self-described information security curmudgeon. Say hi to everyone, Jeff. Hello, everyone. And that's not self-described. Uh, I... Uh... <laughs> I, I have I have been uh, awarded that moniker uh, by uh, by others. Well, tell us about that. Let's kick that off. Who, how did you get that name? So um, there is there is a really really old timer in this industry, uh, a gentleman named uh, Professor Gene Spafford, Doctor Spafford. Uh, his friends know him as Spaff. Uh, he wrote one of the original sort of reference manuals on what we used to call information or, or internet security uh, back in sort of the beginning of this whole thing that's evolved into cybersecurity. Uh, he, he's been in this business probably 45, 50 years, uh, Unix expert and, and computer networking expert, professor at Purdue University. He has a long list of stuff. Anyway. Uh, he has a uh, an informal, semi-formal gathering of friends uh, every year at the RSA conference out in San Francisco. They go out to dinner with Spaff, and this this dinner with Spaff is called the Cabal of the Curmudgeons, and you have to be invited in, and you have to be sort of presented to the group and voted in or out, thumbs up, thumbs down. I, I was fortunate enough to be invited uh, to the group about three, four years ago, was voted in, and so now I'm a curmudgeon for life. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. I yep. love it. So, Jeff, how did you get into this field? You've been in it for a while now. Tell us about how you broke into cybersecurity. Um, I'm, I'm, I don't know how I broke into cybersecurity because I don't really know what cybersecurity is. When I, when I got into this business, it was communication security. I cut my teeth at the National Security Agency uh, back in the starting in the mid '80s, 1986. And at that time, uh, you know, most of the the secure communications and data transmission that was happening uh, was happening over secure radio, uh, you know, various sound wavelengths that had little to do with computers. Um, so I sort of was there at the time that computers were becoming more of a thing, more more freely available, publicly available. Um, there was computer networks around back then, but they were mostly mainframes talking to mainframes over phone lines and uh, the, you know, the early days of the Internet. Uh, so when, when the Internet became more publicly available and more publicly accessible and everybody started figuring out, hey, we can use this thing for communication – which happened sort of in the early early 90s, I guess. I, I just happened to be there at the ground floor at the beginning and say, hey, computer's fun, computer's cool, network's fun, network's cool. Uh, I, I happened to be working with a bunch of guys that were sort of dabbling into how to break things. So it's not like we broke into security. We broke security. <laughs> mm. awesome. And 
since then, what are some of the evolutions that you've witnessed that um, you would like to highlight for those that haven't known the full history of it? <laughs> How much time do we have? <laughs> I, I, I frankly think it's more of a, a, a devolution rather than an evolution. Um, I, I, I see more and more people are and I, I was at a conference this past weekend, Gurkhan, and, and I was pondering this as I was interacting with people and, and hearing various talks. Um, I, there are a lot of, there are a lot of really smart, really talented, creative people in this, in this industry, in this business, but I think they've tended to learn cybersecurity based on what cybersecurity has evolved into. They don't necessarily know the long history of where cybersecurity came from or what preceded it. I've had arguments with people that uh, the internet created information security. And I'm like, no, information security has kind of been around since, you know, prehistoric times, Roman, you know, Greek, Greek times. Um, you know, the, the Caesar cipher is named after Caesar, you know, this is people that lived thousands of years ago. So, uh, you know, on a positive spin, you know, obviously technology is, is, uh, uh, has advanced incredibly in the last couple of years. The ability to move information, data, bits and bytes has, has, you know, vastly exceeded at least my simple mind's understanding of being able to get my head around it and sort of grasp just the, the sheer volume. So, uh, you know, the technological advancements that have been required to keep up with the, the movement of data and then, oh, yeah, let's try to protect that data in some way. Um, I think what's missing, I think what has devolved is sort of what I would call the classical uh, requirements of information or even data security, which is, you know, what is it that's valuable to you that you want to protect? Where is it? How do you consume it, use it, produce it, uh, disseminate it? And sort of understanding from a more of a process flow or a business flow, what it is that you're about, what it is that you care about. Uh, too often I see, and, and a lot of this I think is due to necessity, but too often I see the whole focus of cybersecurity is on securing everything, secure the devices, secure everything you might possibly use, secure all the technology, secure all the communication paths. And it never used to be that way. In the, in the old days, a mere 25, 30 years ago, data security had more to do with understanding what the data is that you want to protect, how valuable is the data, what's the usefulness, life expectancy of the data. That is, how long do you need to protect it? Whom do you need to protect the data from? Who are the bad guys? Who are the ones that want the, to access that data? Why do they want to access the data? Sort of motivations, um, what we loosely call the threats these days. Um, you, you wrap all that together and you have a basic understanding of we have this data set X or these data sets X, Y, and Z. Data set X we need to protect for forever. So let's say that's top secret information. Data set Y we need to protect for a year. It's, an, it's another, you know, let's say it's financial information. Data set Z we need to protect this for the next month because it's merger and acquisition, acquisition information. We're evaluating three different companies and we're expected to break the new in a month, so we just need to keep that data important for the next month. We don't do that in general in the cybersecurity world these days. We we 
we think we have to protect everything to the same level and the same to, to, to degree and without often having the understanding that there and, and the, the concession, if you will, that there's certain things that we're not going to be able to protect as well as others or we don't need to protect as well as other data sets or other systems that are processing or storing this data. Um, that's that's where I see the de- devolution. We, we, we've got ourselves wrapped around this this notion that we have to secure everything and everything but the reality is everything's broken and i you know all you have to do is look at at, at the news almost on a daily business b- basis and see the latest you know breach report the latest company that's been popped the latest you know multi-million uh numbers of uh you know, sets of personal data or, or sensitive data that's been either compromised or, or exposed. And the, the articles don't always distinguish between the two. Um, I'm pretty sure that every citizen on the globe has had, that has electronic information about themselves has probably had that data stolen uh, numerous times in the last 10 years. So I don't even, at one level, I don't even, you know, it, it's, it's skeptical Friday. I am a curmudgeon after all. Sometimes I, <laughs> Sometimes I wonder why we even bother anymore, but you know, that that's, but then I get, I get a good night's sleep and we, we take up the, the charge again. You have to, what do you think? What, are, that was such a great historical kind of background. I think a lot of people, like you said, don't even realize, especially folks that are new to the field, don't realize the evolution of where security has come from. Um, what do you think needs to happen so that people can get more of this education and understanding to help with making the field better as a whole going forward? <laughs> um, well, I, I think you're answering the question and asking the question. I think there there needs to be education and training. And, uh, and I'm guilty of this. I, I came out of the DOD with the background and the experience and training and I, I feel like I've done a pretty decent job over the years, and I, I've, I've been out in the, the private sector for about 23 years now, mostly as a consultant, mostly as an advisor, where I go into companies and try to explain to them what they need to be doing. What What is all this security stuff all about? What do they need to care about? What does it all mean? Uh, largely, it's been in the context, get your drinks ready, people, of PCI, and um you know, quite frankly, the companies that I that I work with that have to to meet PCI compliance requirements, they don't have a background in security. They don't have a background or a, or a context. They they they're retailers, they're merchants, they're hotels, they're gas stations. They sell stuff, and they happen to have plugged into the internet and used the internet as a backbone. And they don't understand the ramifications of doing that. They're, you know, the business costs of plugging into this, uh, what was sold to them is uh, free and efficient and cost-effective communications paths. So uh, I mean, what I'm trying to do in my, my waning years is try to figure out an answer, a better answer to the question you're asking is how, how, how do you get the message around to more companies to explain what are the basics of cybersecurity, which I would define as understanding what it is you're 
trying to accomplish and, and understand what your goals are, what your strategy should be. And this is a discussion and a plan that you need to have within your own organization or if you're a consultant like I am with within your customer's organization. It's a conversation you have before you start talking about technology, before you start talking about all the different ways that you're connecting and all the w- ways you, do, you need to share uh, with third parties and, and, and customers and prospects and, and so on and so forth. I believe if you don't have a basic understanding of what your security objectives are uh, for the business that you're in, for the type of data that you have, uh, before you start going out and spending the trillions of dollars that have been spent on security solutions and technology solutions that do or don't do anything to further this thing that we call cybersecurity, I think you're, you, you, you lose before you start. And, and that's a little bit g- generic, I guess. It, it, it's not a, a, a factual, here's a step A, step B, step three type of answer, which frustrates me because you know, I, I don't like to talk in generalities. Uh, but I do talk in generalities and at a generic level, people understand and nod their head as you guys are say, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. But, but they turn around and said, but we've got all this stuff that we got to deal with. We've got all these systems that we need to harden. We've got all these vulnerabilities that we have to track down. We've got all these developers doing stupid things. We've got all these users that shoot, shoot, shoot the company in the foot because they don't follow the rules. Oh, by the way, we don't have any rules. They're not written down. All we've done is check boxes on some compliance requirement that we don't even understand what it means, but we know we have to put a check in the box. And the cycle continues, and and it's it's where I get a little bit more curmudgeonly, that uh, everybody seems to be screwing up, and 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 they don't even know that they're screwing up, and that's whether it's a customer, an end user, a vendor, a product solution company, uh, assessors, auditors, uh, compliance specialists, uh, and so on and so forth. But to solve the problem, we've come up with new marketing campaigns and we've come up with new buzzwords because we have to sell more product because at the end of the day, that's what it all, that's what it all boils down to. We have to sell more products and services. I would say that having completed my master's degree, what, three, four years ago, that the drive to accomplish business outcomes should be what is guiding security was a topic that was never discussed in the major certifications like the CISSP, it's not really a core concept that's ever discussed. And mm. I, I think that's the core problem is that everyone focuses on the security aspect, but not the business aspect. <laughs> exactly. Um, not the business aspect. And that's why they don't have resiliency within their strategy because they're just focused on one part of the triangle of people process technology. They're just focused on the technology aspect of it. So uh, two things. One, I I was at a a conference, uh, let's say a month ago. It it was a busy October. Um, And I was giving a talk sort of, what are we doing here anyway? What is this thing called security? Sort of, you know, the same conversation we're having here. And and somebody during the Q&A period raised their hand and commented, I think everybody in the cybersecurity field should get an MBA. And I kind of understood what he meant. I said, yeah, that makes a lot of sense because understanding business is, is first and foremost uh, for, for at least a segment of this, uh, of this industry um, that, you know, that's what you need to understand. 
Now, having said that, there is a there there is a certain element to cybersecurity that goes back to, you know, national security interests, interest, protecting critical infrastructure and things like that. That where it's sort of a real world mission with real tradition, more traditional types of bad guys that are trying to do bad things to the United States in general. Uh, you know, sort of the, from a national security perspective. And that's one element of all this. But there's another element that's sort of the the private sector, companies that are just doing business and that are more likely f- going to fall victim to bad guys that are that have figured out a way to monetize attacks and they're, they're trying to make a living. And and so they're they're not looking for any you know specific company or entity to attack because they've got a a, a, a grievance against the against the company. They're just looking for somebody that's vulnerable to something that they know how to exploit that they might a little might make a little bit of money off of. So that's one aspect. The second aspect um, I've forgotten at this point because I went too long on the first aspect, <laughs> but it was something else I wanted to comment on to what you said. So let's move on. Sure. Let's switch gears. What made you, I mean, your, your podcast is one of the originals. What made you start it? Uh, well, the original that you referenced, Paul's Security Weekly, uh, which has been operating now for, a, I don't know if we've just had our anniversary or about to, but it's been around for about 15 years. I've actually been involved with it for about five or six years because uh, Paul Asadorian, the, the founder of it, one of the founders of it uh, used to work for a company called Tenable Network Security. And when I went to work for Tenable Network Security, you know, we met at some point and, and, you know, somewhere along the line, I heard he was doing a podcast webcast and uh, yeah, I ended up being, I actually, I think was actually sitting next to Jack Daniel, who's one of the hosts on Paul security weekly. And he was broadcasting remotely. Um, from a, from a conference and I was sitting with them and sort of that was my first foray into this webcast podcast thing. But at some point it's like, Hey, let's start doing it. So it just sort of, you know, grew into something that I did as part of my job with Tenable and uh, Paul and I have both left uh, Tenable uh, and have moved on. But uh, Paul extended the invitation for me to continue with the podcast, regardless of any affiliation with, Tenable or any other you know sponsor companies at that point, and uh, just in the last uh, couple months, after several years of me bringing up PCI on the podcast and saying and, and hearing people's responses, and being out in the industry, being out at conferences, realizing people really don't understand PCI at least on the vendor product side, or in particular the pen testing you know sort of security vulnerability management side of things. I kept pressuring Paul. We really should we should really feature PCI as a segment and just sort of dispel some of the misunderstandings and myths about PCI. Um, and I don't know if he's uh, you know punishing me and putting me in a corner uh, <laughs> because I bring up PCI too much on his show, or he's really seen the demand and the need for clarification and, and better understanding and education. Uh, so I'm being rewarded, but one or the other, uh, we decided to start. Uh, well, they decided to start a new uh, a new show called Security and Compliance Weekly, and they asked me to host it. So I, I'm either being rewarded or punished and put in a corner. But we started recording episodes uh, in October, and uh, we're getting ready to start dropping them. We we wanted to have a little bit in our in, in our queue. 
so people had something to, you know, once they started listening to it, they had, you know, more to get so that they'd immediately have uh, something to, to, uh, to whet their appetite for more and more, which we're assuming that people want to hear. But uh, just going around in the last month or so, uh, telling people that this is coming, that it's new, been getting a lot of feedback, very positive feedback, or at least people are, are enthusiastic to see what the show is going to become. And, and my goal for the show is simply to uh, try to, to bring what I see as two of, of multiple t- uh, tiers or silos that I see within the cybersecurity community, one side being more the security technical practitioner side of things, which uh, has a lot of uh, product and vendor uh, affiliation, let's say. Uh, and then another silo is more the practitioner on a compliance. Uh, how do we actually meet any kind of measure or yardstick compliance or regulatory requirement? Um, where these two these two worlds sort of uh, uh, exist separately uh, and, and don't often know the other exists. Uh, at, you know, at least from the compliance side, they don't. The compliance side might have some inkling of an idea of an idea that there's this hacker security technical community out there, but they have no idea that there's conferences and B sides and, and hacker meetups and, and all sorts of things like that. And on the security hacker side of things, I more often hear than not, Oh, compliance. Oh, that's stupid. Oh, that's the bare minimum. Oh, that's not real security. And, and I, I, I have been to both worlds and both worlds have smart people that are pursuing within you know their their boundaries. What ultimately is the same goal, which is the security, uh, whatever that means, of their either their organize organizations or their customers. So, I I see this uh, podcast hopefully as a way to sort of bridge the gap and and commu- you know allow uh, disparate groups to start uh, communicating with one another, getting to know one another and ultimately building uh, relationships where there can be collaboration and, and real realization that oh, we're, we're after the same end goal. We're doing the same things. Let's work together rather than, you know, spit on piss on or not even know that the other exists. Are you also looking to challenge the, compliance on the privacy side of things. So all the new compliance frameworks coming out like GDPR, um, the California Privacy Protection, uh, and those types of frameworks as well? Uh, absolutely. I mean, we're, we're, we're taking on everything. Obviously, my, my, uh, uh, I, I'm a one-trick pony. I, I do PCI. <laughs> but, but PCI is PCI to me is security. PCI is in compliance. Uh, we've got uh, we've signed up a couple co-hosts. Uh, I would remiss if I did not mention them. Uh, our CEO at Security Weekly, Matt Alderman, also former uh, Tenable person, uh, is one of the co-hosts. And I've engaged uh, Josh Marpet and Scott Lyons. Uh, from Redline Security uh, to also be co-hosts, and and they're very passionate and are going to cover a lot of the other compliance and regulatory things. Uh, so you know, hopefully, we're going to cover all the bases. I, I I think again, everybody's trying to solve the same basic fundamental problem. Uh, we come at it from a different approach, uh, and certainly. Some of the newer laws, the privacy laws, are going to trip more directly or, or, or crash more directly into 
uh, people's security worlds. But you know, all of it ultimately is disrupting the status quo, disrupting current processes and procedures, which A, often are not documented. B, they're sort of known by one or two people. Uh, you know, C, they're not repeatable. Uh, they're, you know, they're not, they're not well understood within an organization D they're not understood again, within the context of what are our overall goals here? You, you know, I remember the second thing you mentioned people, processes, and things. I talk about people, processes, and things, but I preface that with purpose. What is the purpose? Why are we doing all this in, in the first place? So all of that we hope to cover and more on security <laughs> and compliance weekly. We will be listening in. Great. So I can imagine that you probably get a lot of folks who would like to break into the industry and come to you as a person who is pretty much a veteran in this, in the space. What do you tell them when they come to you and say, I'm looking to break into security. Where, where do I start or what should I do? Yeah, I, I, I actually do get approached uh, by people very often, and I invite that. I mean, I, I want to try to be a mentor and help other people, you know, you know, get started in this industry. Um, I, especially at the hacker conferences, I get a lot of people coming up to me. Oh, I want to be a pen tester. I want to. I want to become a hacker. I, I sort of have this opinion that uh, either you're a hacker or you're not. It's, it's more of a, it's a mindset. It's something you're born with. I think it roughly translates to um, critical thinking and people can argue and do argue whether critical thinking is something that you're just kind of born with the ability or it's an ability that's uh, cultivated and grown over time, or it's something that you can actually train people to do. And, you know, and I think it's a, it's a, it's a spectrum. And we're all in this industry somewhere on the spectrum, um, multiple spectrums, probably. Uh, what I usually try to tell people, because A, I, I've been in this since the beginning. I, I had 10 years of security experience, almost 10 years of security experience at NSA before this whole internet cybersecurity thing spun up anyway. And I just sort of fell into it and stumbled into it because, oh, that looks cool and fun and different. Um, and because of that experience, I, I poo-poo most certifications because uh, I sort of have the experience. Um, I want to chime in every time you put up, because for people who are listening and are not watching, Jeff keeps putting up a button that says not a CISSP. He keeps flashing <laughs> that button up. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I don't need the certifications. I don't need the training. I kind of grew up in it, but that's, you know, I, I've told some people will get, you know, just get 30 years of experience and then you'll be an expert. <laughs> uh, but trying to come up with a practical answer to people acknowledging that, you know, a, you're not getting in on the ground floor of this thing and you don't have the background that I do. Uh, what I try to tell people, and I don't, I don't know if it's a good answer or not, but what I try to tell people is expose yourself to as many facets or elements that you can within this thing that we call cybersecurity, because it's, it, it's very broad. I, I mean, I don't think anybody has a, a single definition of the term, yet alone what all it touches within an organization or should touch within an organization. So I try to recommend if they're a student or if they're working, you know, 
Go around and find out what other people are doing. Ask questions. Vo- offer to volunteer. Do the mundane stuff that nobody likes to do anyway. You know, just you know, offer. Can I help some way? I, I'm I'm I, I would like to learn. I'm interested in learning, and expose yourself to as much as you can for two purposes. One, hopefully you'll find something that you have some sort of aptitude or talent or ability, not necessarily you begin as an expert, but like, hey, I could do this. This is something that interests me. This is something I think I have, I can do. I I seem to have a knack for it. And the second aspect of that is find something that you like, find something that interests you and engages you. If you're lucky, the two will be the same thing, but they don't have to be the same thing. But as a practical matter, you know, most people are trying to make a living. They're looking for an occupation. If you can find something that you enjoy doing, uh, and you think, and and you you know, you get you get a charge out of doing it, do that. Uh, if you or and or if you can find something you that you think you're kind of good at, you have some ability to, to be able to do, do that. Uh, it may not translate to you become a multimillionaire and you know IPO your own company, but we're not all going to do that. At the end of the day, most of us are just going to try to make a living. If you can find a way to make a living that somehow uh, challenges you and satisfies you that you have some sort of aptitude for, that's my recommendation. Um, I, th- this conference that I was at this last weekend, I was I was just hanging out in in. The, the the smoking area because I smoke cigars and someone came up to me and said, Hey, I'm so-and-so, you know, we've chatted on Twitter quite a bit. This is my Twitter handle. You gave me some advice a while back and I wanted to thank you for it because it really helped me out. I'm starting a new job at trusted sec on Monday. And, nice. and I just wanted to thank you. I'm like, I have no idea what I said to the guy and we didn't <laughs> go into details. Um, but I turned to the person that was that was that I was hanging out with when the person walked away. And I said, "This is what I do. What I do." So you know, every once in a while, I get some positive feedback, like I helped somebody. Uh, hopefully, I'm I'm helping more than I'm hurting at the end of the day. No, definitely. Um, you, you mentioned a couple of times that this industry involves so many different things, has so many diverse aspects to it. Mm-hmm. Um, what are, What are your views on ways that we can include more diverse backgrounds of individuals that will come into this industry because we really need that um, diverse set of thinking to be more successful in this field. Uh, You like to throw easy questions at me. (laughs) (laughs) So I I am very much in favor uh, of what we call diversity in this environment. You know, I, I'm much more interested in people having an interest in knack and aptitude, a, a, a love for whatever this thing is that's called cybersecurity. I actually think, you know, one of the, one of the sales pitches that go around uh, all the time, the marketing pitches is the, the shortage of cybersecurity trained professionals in the workforce. I kind of think we don't have a shortage in cybersecurity professionals in the workforce. I kind of think we have a shortage of people in the workforce that are knowledgeable and trained on things related to cybersecurity. If that makes sense, the difference. I think cybersecurity needs to penetrate all the different facets of jobs in the workforce, and it needs to become known more as a corporate culture type of thing. 
you know, when I worked for the DOD, everybody in the DOD understood the business that we were in, which was national security. And we understood that that involved keeping secrets and we knew how to do that. And everything we did in terms of our job had a layer or an element of what we could love roughly translate to cybersecurity in modern terms, but it all had something to do with keeping secrets, keeping things private, you know, knowing what to say, what not to say, who to say it to, who not to say it to, identifying people that you could or could not say things to, very much all physical security protections and, and processes and procedures. But again, I think those fundamental lessons translate into cybersecurity. We just do it a different way in cybersecurity, but we have somehow lost the ability to teach those fundamental lessons, we, we jump to the cybersecurity solution. And so, and this is my concern uh, uh, about sort of a lot of the diverse people that are coming into the community these days. And I, and I rub shoulders with them because I go to so many conferences. Um, I don't care who or what you are or identify as if you're, you know, if you're smart, contributing, engaging, eager to learn, uh, you know, hungry, all those things are great. My, my concern is that all the young people that I see, regardless of their qualifications for whatever the diversity bucket we want to talk about, they're being taught sort of the, the last chapter of cybersecurity. They're not being taught the fundamentals and the basics and the history. And so they're buying into in as much as if you only know the last chapter, you're only getting part of the story. And in my opinion, it's an incomplete story, if you will, uh, if not a wrong story, but let's leave it at incomplete. Uh, so I don't fault them for that, but I'm concerned that they're making a living off of spewing incomplete information or regurgitating incomplete information. Um, but they happen to be a, a particular diversity category that people are after, and so they get raised up. And I don't care that they're whatever the, the the demographic is. I care that they're not giving the right message and they haven't been trained and taught the right message. So they're contributing to the misinformation that's out there, if that makes any sense. It does. My, my question, we're, we're over the 30-minute mark, so I, and it, it's hard for me. To I could have warned you about that. <laughs> this, is, this is so, I mean, I want to have a follow-up. I'm putting in my request for a follow-up right now because <laughs> I think that point that you made is across the board, though. So, Absolutely. you know, you think about the, the, you know, diverse populations for whatever you want to consider, like you said, whatever category, but across the board, which is why I, we, you know, Chris and I tend to wonder why you have all these people with cybersecurity de degrees and programs, and then they can't break in. And, and part of my question is always around the education that they've gotten. Because if you think about, you know, various industries, the easiest one for me to remember is because there was a lady who was a nurse, or she's in the medical field. And she's like, you know, the entry level nursing jobs, like, you know, you get this basic, you know, basic fundamental, how to be a nurse, how to ha hopefully not kill anybody in the hospital, you know, these various fundamentals. You go, you get a certification. Everybody has to have like a state board or something that they pass. And then you're allowed in at that bottom, you know, entry level with somebody over you, management, all that stuff. Yeah. However, it's so diff seems to be so difficult for 
the folks trying to break in this industry with these degrees that are, that are being, you know, they have a degree. A lot of the ones that come to us, they're frustrated because like, hey, I went to school, I've been sold on, and, and I won't, this, this is my version of, I've been sold on this career, I go to school, I get this education, and now I come out and nobody will hire me, or it's so tough to get in. Um, and so I always wondered what's missing in that education that these, that these folks are just not, quote, ready from a leadership perspective to be brought in. And I think that goes across all, you know, diversity categories, non-diversity categories, and what have you. Well, the, the short answer is experience. And, uh, you know, most of us that sort of grew up in the beginning of it, we all, we already had some level of experience or there's a lot of people in this thing we call cybersecurity that, you know, grew out of it. And, uh, you know, they were system administrators, they were mm -hmm. domain administrators, they were network operators. you know, they had some sort of functions so that they were involved in, in the technology again, initially. And I, you know, there, there's part of the, you know, and that's all good, and I think that's all necessary. There's an old saying, uh, you know, if, looking for a job, get experience. You need experience, get a job. And, and that's sort of the, the classic conundrum. Uh, it's why I recommend to people volunteer as much as, as possible. Look for internships. Ex, you know, offer yourself up around your organization if you are within an organization so that you can be exposed. But do it in such a way that you're getting some experience. But the, the I don't have a good answer, but I, I think the answer is you need – most people are looking for people that are experienced or have – the 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 it the, the the desire to learn the curiosity the the there's something there that they think is malleable if you talk to recruiters or people that talk about the recruiting issues you know more often than not they're saying something like you know it's not simply the certifications or the educations they want to meet the people and they want to see the the curiosity the hunger the the i want to learn more they, they, the eagerness to do something. What they don't want to see is I've got all these degrees, therefore I'm worth, you know, being hired because I, I have all the, you know, all these tickets punched. Right. Um, it boils down to this, I think, you know, obviously technology is a large part of this thing that we call cybersecurity and that's not going away. When I first came out into the private sector years ago and we were arguing basically why you should hire a consultant to advise you of how to do security before you spend all your limited resources on buying some products because you've been told you have to buy all this different technology in order to be security. I, I used to tell the analogy of, you know, uh, if you're if you want to be a painter, if you want to be a a, a masterpiece, you know, a master painter, uh, you know, a Rembrandt, a Michelangelo, a Leonardo da Vinci, you know, all you really need is paintbrushes, paints. Uh, what do you call that thing they put it on? You know, the uh, yeah. palette. 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 Thank you. <laughs> and you need a, a blank canvas with a you know setting setting it up somewhere on an easel. That's all you need. Those are all the tools. Go off and paint a masterpiece. But clearly, most of us, given all the tools, aren't going to be able to create a masterpiece. <laughs> I think the same can be said with you can have all the technology in place, but you're not going to be able to 
produce a secure environment. So mm-hmm. what's what's the difference between you and me and uh, you know a Rembrandt because we have the same tools versus you know this organization that has all the technologies and all the all the solutions that they've been sold that really are just tools at the end of the day. What's I think it's a similar difference. Whatever that whatever it is that missing ingredient, I think it's the same missing ingredient. And I think it boils down to experience, practice, um, you know, aptitude, uh, the ability to learn and create and craft. I mean, it, you know, it, it all works together, and and that's sort of the missing ingredient. How do we get that? You know, on an indiv- individual basis, looking for opportunities to volunteer, pitch in, intern, go to hacker meetups, participate in, you know, CTFs and so on. I mean, there's lots of different ways to practice. Yeah. Um, whether you're good at it or not remains to be seen. I don't frankly think everybody can get into this business. I don't think this is a career field that you look at like most other career fields, you know, from an academic perspective and, you know. Oh, I want to be this when I grow up, and so I'm going to go off and learn all those things and become that. Uh, I, I really do believe that there's uh, there's you know, not everybody has to be a hacker to be successful in this business, but there's a there's a certain element of critical thinking, be able to ask questions, to be able to look at something and say, is there a better or different way of doing this? What could go wrong? Uh, what might go wrong? How can I manipulate this? Uh, you know, whether it's a, a I don't know what you call it, but you know, I call it the hacker yeah. mindset. <laughs> no, I agree. And I, I think that part of it could potentially be baking in that experience in the degree programs. So if you think about, I mean, Chris talks about the journeyman type of program where you put in a certain number of hours to get the experience with a person, um, you know, a mentor over you. And right. I know in some of these practical um uh, programs, degree programs, you have to, to to graduate, you have to do an internship, but you have to put in X amount of hours of work. And that is your entry level experience, you know, so right. you're getting a little bit of that. So you're not coming out with just paperwork per se. But anyway, well, maybe maybe from an academic perspective, maybe more of these programs need to work in, you know, some sort of minor or at least, uh, you know, part of the curriculum involves, you know, more business courses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Je- Jeff, I have one more tough question for you. Oh, if you had to summarize all of this <laughs> into one piece of sage advice for someone coming into the industry, what would that be? Do you really want to be here? <laughs> okay. Good. Or, or why, why, why do you want to get into this industry? Yeah. Uh, you know, if, if you're not passionate or you think, you know, if, if you don't think you have a talent or an aptitude or an interest, how many of us that are being approached by people like this say, yeah, I don't think this is really work that you're cut out for. Go, go look for something else. Cause I don't think this is an industry and maybe this is a little bit uh, conceited. I don't, I don't, and it's easy for me to say, let's put it this way. I don't think this is an industry that can attract everyone or anyone that wants to be in this business, I think there needs to be an aptitude. It's, you know, I, I've tried to come up with a good analogy for this, but, you know, not everybody can go out and be a neurosurgeon. Not everybody can go out and be a rocket scientist. Not everybody can go out and be a, a performance artist or a musician. 
uh, you know, or a songwriter or a movie director. There's, there's something that makes people good at some of the, you know, the vocations that they choose there, there is a skill and aptitude or something that's in there. I think the same might be said for this industry, but I'm, but I'm open to being proven wrong. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I mean, really appreciate uh, the time and uh, all the views and all the education that you've given us in this 45 minutes. (laughs) Absolutely. Sorry we ran long. (laughs) I'm putting in my request for part two of this. All right. Sounds good. Or three or four, whatever. And three and four. (laughs) Thank you, Jeff. And thank you, Chris. And thanks for another episode of Breaking into Cyber Security. Have a good one. Thank you.